I am beyond excited to have Laura Ferguson, who is the Vice President of Sales and Business Development at the Value Builder Systems on this week's podcast. We're going to talk about some ways that business owners can increase the values of their business so that they can sell their business for a higher multiple when they are ready. Make sure to check out the show notes so that you can go to the link that can help you to take your Value Builder score. We have some other assessments and also some really valuable ebooks. Really hope that you enjoy this episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies to help you to build and maintain wealth. Uh, my name is David Chuddick, and as you know, I am a financial advisor with Parallel Financial, but I'm a financial advisor with a twist. So I do all of the things that a certified financial planner would do to follow the financial planning process, but I also have a unique um, and different offering that we're really going to talk about today where I can help business owners, and a lot of our listeners are business owners, to maximize the value of their business so they could either sell it for a higher multiple when they're ready, or maybe even just have an easier and more profitable life today. So if that interests you, uh, check out my website, www.allofmyassets.com. And then uh, my email is david at parallelfinancial.com. But we have a heavy hitter today. So I'm really excited uh, that we have Laura Ferguson, who is the Vice President of Sales and Business Development at the Value Builder System. And her mission is to help business advisors and their clients to succeed. And as a former business consultant and entrepreneur, Laura specializes in helping business owners in the startup phase with sales, marketing, and operations. In addition, she is passionate uh, about public speaking, and she's a mindset coach that enjoys sharing insights into the psychology of sales. So, hey, Laura, how are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, David. What a wonderful intro there. Well, thank you for coming on here. I wanted to wanted to bring on one of one of the big dogs, and, and which which you're one of the big dogs to to help me get the word out of of what I'm able to do for business owners as a um, a certified value builder advisor and. You know, what I thought about a year ago is that I do my our firm, Parallel Financial, we have such a great investment process to where we can manage money really well. And we have a great financial planning process to where we can help clients to kind of have a plan for all parts of their money. And um, uh, and I have expertise as a certified financial planner since 2005, uh, 2006. But um you know, I started thinking business owners, you just hear it a lot. Well, I don't really need to save that much money because I'm going to sell my business and I'm going to live off of that. And you, then you start thinking, well, how much are you going to sell it for? Are you going to sell it for the right amount? Um, you know, are there ways that you can sell it for more? And that's when I got, um, that's when I got involved with Value Builder. But, um, but yes, yeah, so I want to hear about how you got involved with Value Builder and hear your story. Uh, thanks. You know, it's, I have such, as you shared, a passion for helping business owners. I came and kind of grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. So both my parents owned businesses and it was this standard thing that you'd build a business and it was your retirement plan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, very early in my twenties, I opened a business, was growing it, focused headstrong into my revenue, had an exit and came across Value Builder 
and a book called Built to Sell, which is our founder's flagship book that talks about kind of the eight drivers of value. And I remember reading it and thinking to myself, man, I wish I knew all of these things before I went through the process of building my business in the first place, let alone. Well, and there's so many things that business owners, like they don't know, right? They, I mean, they know how to do their trade, but they don't know how to build a business to be sold. They don't know how to file a tax return. They don't know how to hire and fire and all those things. So, so that's what, you know, I love bringing value to business owners on the podcast on how to do all the soft skills. So, um, and, and building a business to sell is, is definitely a skill. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of times, you know, as business owners, I say this, at least for myself, and I'm sure you hear this a lot from clients that you work with, we become so hyper-focused on, you know, growing our revenue and thinking about our profits and looking at our margins that sometimes we lose sight that there's a bigger picture when it comes to actually the value of your business and, and how you can maximize that. So, you know, love the, I love what you're doing and your unique twists that you guys provide, because I think they go hand in hand. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. And, and I work with individuals, but I really enjoy the business owners because business owners just have such a, um, that they have so much on their plate and, and nobody can know everything. And there's always a part of a business that's being neglected, um, until a business owner really gets everything under control and has, has experts and can outsource and, and things like that. So, um, so you mentioned, you know, growing profit, um, a business owner, you know, typically is looking at, hey, here's how much money I brought in last month. Here's how much money I brought in last year. And I'm I'm up 5% revenue over last year, same time. Would that not in itself increase the value of a business by just growing revenue? Or are they two different factors, growing the value and growing revenue? There are two different factors. I mean, growing your revenue and and really thinking revenue focused, of course, is going to be tied into the value of your business. But I'll give you an example because it's the one that stood out to me. Um, when you think about growing your revenue, a lot of times business owners end up being the person that's doing the majority of their sales. Mm-hmm. And so they might be able to hit these astronomical kind of revenues and their customers all know them by their first name. And they think that they're building this really special business, Um, but it's special to them. Mm -hmm. And so growing the value of their business is actually going to be what somebody's willing to pay for it. And that's why they become kind of two separate things. There's actually these eight kind of qualitative aspects that a buyer would look at to actually purchase that business. So growing your revenue is kind of growing the attractiveness um, of your business in the eyes of a future acquirer. And if your goal is, of course, to build this business for the next 25 years, and that's your nest egg for your retirement, then you want to be thinking about that early on so that you're planning for that success and, and maximizing what you can exit with. Yeah. So as a business owner myself, I struggled for years where I was the main uh, revenue producer. And and most customers, no matter what the question, whether it's a big question or a small question, they wanted to speak with David because David's name is on the sign. And it's not that you don't like helping everybody, but you're simply one person and um, you can't answer every question for everybody. You can't get involved with every little fire. Any any business is going to have little customer service issues that need to be fixed. And when you're the one fixing all of them, number one, you pull your hair out. And number two, there's probably somebody else who can fix those those problems better or handle them right the first time. So there is no problem. <laughs> there is no problem to fix. So, so yeah. yeah. So you mentioned a, a couple of different uh, eight drivers of business. What what are maybe one or two of, of the drivers that affect how much I can sell my business for when I'm ready to sell it? Yeah, there's a few numbers that go into it. So I'll kind of 
you know, financial performance, obviously being um, one of the highest drivers. So how is your business growing year over year? Is it stagnant in terms of revenue growth or is it growing more than that? Um, there's things like recurring revenue. Are you generating recurring revenue stream? Recurring revenue is actually valued much higher than your kind of your standard one-offs type of sales. Um, owner dependency is a huge one, right? You take the business owner that's making 75% of the sales, guess what? You don't yeah. have a business anymore. Yep. So that's a really big one. Also, just thinking through things like how dependent you are on your customers or your employees' key suppliers. Um, are your customers happy? And that's mm-hmm. always a great one in itself. So uh, I think all of my customers are happy, 100% of them. And that's probably <laughs> not the case, right? Or they're not as happy. <laughs> yeah, that's my, that was my next question. So how do I measure how happy my customers? Because none of them have come up to me and said, look, your office sucks and you do a horrible job. But I'm sure everybody could be happier. So like, how does a business figure out exactly how happy and satisfied their customers are? Yeah, I mean, again, I think the first thing to do is to take a look at your business overall, right? So taking that step to say, what do you think? Do you think that, you know, your customers are happy and going through a few questions on that. But the actual key exercise that you want to go through is actually going through an exercise to take a look at your net promoter score, which is considered the highest level of customer satisfaction. So actually going out and surveying your customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if, you, if you're not sure how to do that, obviously, just as you and I have talked about many times, there's lots of advisors who can help you guide you know, how many customers and the frequency of the customers in terms of actually checking to see how satisfied they are. I think that's very important to, to, even as a financial advisor, the first thing, if you were coming on as one of my clients, we want to figure out the facts. Where are you? How much money do you have? Not how much money do you think you have? How much do you actually have? Um, There's a lot of times you'll take on a new financial advising investment client and they'll say, I've lost all my money in the stock market, which of of course is not true. They lost a little bit this year and it hurts. So you know, I think it's always important to take emotion out and just find out the facts. And if your customers aren't all as satisfied as you think they are, hey, let's just face that and let's see what we can do about it, right? Absolutely. You know, it's it's difficult to see our business outside of ourselves. I always share that my business was like my spouse. You know, you work and 75% of owners that we pull and we've worked with 80,000 of them share that they're working 40 plus hours a week still. And mm-hmm. so they're really quite attached to this thing that they've built up. You know, they see it as the third child or the second spouse, as some people refer to it. So it's sometimes nice to be able to take that emotion out and look objectively by doing things like your net promoter score. One of the things that that we can do as value builder advisors is we can we can help um, our clients to decide even if they should sell their business and retire and get out. So let's talk a little bit about kind of the three sides of an exit and 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 what do we do as as certified value builder advisors and how do we prepare to sell and and maybe even uh, decide what we're going to do after we sell and and those kind of factors. Yeah, absolutely. You know, <clears throat> I love the point that you're saying. I'm kind of preparing to sell. So. Just when you think through your exit, the last thing you want to do is say, it's time to retire. Let's talk about exit. And in fact, a really great value building plan. So building the value of your company is a great exit plan and vice versa. Um, so the first thing that you want to do is take a look at what we call the three sides of exit. So the first one is taking a look at the business itself. So what are the things that are driving the value within your business, measuring that and seeing where you can find those improvements to continue to grow. 
there's an overlooked aspect that I always find is quite interesting, which is the business owner themselves. And, um, mm. you know, when you actually pull business owners, I think 5% of business owners are actually happy with the net proceeds of selling their business. And many of them up to 75% actually report regretting their exit. So taking a look at your own role, you know, if you've been working 40 hours a week, what are you building this for? What do you, what do you want to do after this? So um, what, the business owners <laughs> that say they regret exiting, like what are some of the reasons why, because you would think think, hey, I worked hard, I built this business, and now I got this big payday, and I'm rich, and I don't have to work, and I could sit at home, and I can do the things that I like, and that seems like the, the American dream, right? But but um, that that's not the case. So what are some of the reasons why people do regret their exit? Yeah, it comes down to actually four big drivers. Um, the first one is that they didn't understand the financial aspects of exiting their business. So they ended up with a little bit less, or you know, they think they're going to get a, a I always call it, you get, think you're going to get check and then you're going to be able to ride off in the sunset. And that's not really how most right. actual assets And then the happen. government <laughs> wants a big part of that Huge check chunk, too. right? Yeah. The government's going to take a chunk. You might not get paid all of it up front. So the financial aspect's big. But the other aspects really come down to those internal motivations. And I love that you pointed out that I'm all about mindset because I think that's where those drivers come into play. It's not feeling pushed out of your business. A lot of exits are reactionary. Like, you know, I call it, it sounds horrible, but it's almost like the three D's death, disease, and divorce. Somebody mm -hmm. got sick, somebody got di divorced, somebody passes away. And that's, what's driving that exit. What you really want to do is have these pull factors, not feeling pushed out, stressed out, burnt out, but you are building your business and see this future afterwards. And there's an identity piece, right? Like how attached are you from your business? Is your name on the door? Guess what? Mm -hmm. You're, you're pretty attached. Are you working 40 hours a week still? Um, and then really thinking through, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, they run their business and their employees become family. So what mm -hmm. do you, what do you, what's your plan for your team as part of that exit and taking a mm -hmm. look at that? Yeah. And nothing's going to lower the price of a business more than if I call you or, or if my wife calls you and says, Hey, Laura, David is in the hospital and he's very, very sick and um, he may not make it. And I don't know how to run the business. Would you like to buy it? Well, all of a sudden where, you know, that just lowered the price <laughs> because um, it, it's, it's very reactionary. Um, so I think it's very important to to have a business that's sellable and be working towards a sellable business and and be proactive and look at when you want to sell as opposed to when those when those three D's come into play. So but you know, the, the person who's in their 30s or 40s and, and they're thinking, I have a long-term business, this is an industry that's going to be around. Like, why would you even worry about building a more valuable company now when selling is not even in the time horizon for the next 10, 15, 20, or maybe more years? You know, I love that question because that's, I think, where I was. And that's why, you know, it really resonates with me with what you guys do actually helping your clients with Value Builder. Um, you know, the first piece is that having more valuable business makes a more enjoyable business. So mm -hmm. if your business is not dependent on you, you're not working 40 hours a week. And just even think about that in itself, you're going to grow faster because you've thought about what differentiates you in your market and you're really planning for that success. So it's not always about that end goal. It's the journey along the way. The second piece is, um, you know, Think about for, for everybody that's kind of listening, what you think about your investments, right? If you're like most people, you probably start sticking stuff into your 401k, even just a little bit in your 20s. And yet you're not thinking through the largest asset that you have. You're being a business manager. You're not managing your assets. Mm -hmm. This is no different than having stocks in the stock market. And you really want to look at what do you need out of this? What are you going to want that future to look like 15 years down the road? Do you want to be sailing around the world in a gold yacht? Well, mm -hmm. you better think about how the value of your business comes in. It's the largest asset you're going to have 
to fund that future. Um, so really taking yeah. a look at those pieces. Well, and you know, when you're looking at one of the things that I think reduces stress for human beings in general is taking action where you actually have some control, right? So one of the things that is incredibly frustrating for for anybody is when you look at CNBC, you look at your 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 401k port, uh, statement, and you say, oh, I had a million dollars, now I have 900,000. Um, you know, we have a great investment process, but our clients still lose money at times because I, I can't control if Amazon is profitable or not. Um, I can't control if Apple's stock price goes up. But what I can control or I have a whole lot of control over is my own business. So am I doing the things that it takes to increase the value of my business where I have control? And then on my outside investments, do I have a process that can mitigate you know, maximum losses and 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 give me the best chance of 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 having that portfolio grow. But it, it just boggles my mind when I see business owners just complaining and complaining and complaining about, you know, the quote stock market. And of course the stock market had one bad year last year and then, you know, 15 years in a row of, of total growth. But um but then they also don't have the right processes in place that can help them to grow the value of their business. So I wanted to talk about value builder systems itself, your company, um, and talk a little bit about the history, how long you've been involved, and and also maybe some some statistics or success stories on on like how much you know a multiple have has increased for companies at you know after working with a value builder advisor um, over the course of months or um, or years. So first of all, value builders, your company didn't start yesterday, did it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, absolutely not. I think uh, our company started a lot better as ever founded. Uh, you know, our founder, John Rayleigh, has had several successful business exits. He's, you know, worked with Fortune 500, again, the mind of a small business owner. And so he actually wrote this book, noticing a really big inequality in the market, which was that the buyer has all the power. Hmm. And it's almost as you don't know what you don't know. You're not really sure what they're kind of redlining when they go through their disclosure, which is, you know, part of that exit process. So he wrote a book called Built to Sell. And that's obviously became this uh, sensation in a sense where business owners started writing in and saying, how do I know what my business is worth? That's really where Value Builder was born out of. Um, he's gone on now to write two other best-selling novels, and again, all great things, obviously, for business owners. But what we realized is there's no way for us to be able to serve that many business owners at once, and so we went to the people that they trust. Um, so Value Builder actually works with advisors like you, obviously, David, um, that are here to to help business owners gain control over their future. Uh, we've actually worked as a community with more than 80,000 business owners to actually help them measure and grow the value of their business. And what we've found is that the average scoring business, so for anybody that maybe is wondering what this is on our value builder score, we give you a score of 100. And, you know, David's one of the people that helps translate that score. Um, they actually are getting not as great of offers for their business. They're not as they're not attracting what I call that strategic buyer. However, if you can work with an advisor and get your business to have a score of 90 and above, those would be your premium companies that trade at what we call the highest multiple. So, um, and again, that can be seller's discretionary earnings, EBITDA, we won't throw out all those terms, but it just means you're going to get offered more money. Mm -hmm. In fact, they actually get double the number of acquisition offers and double the value. And wow. so there's a direct correlation to kind of working on these eight qualitative aspects mm -hmm. to helping improve that. 
And that's really where, you know, our advisor community like you is, is plays such an important role of being able to, to translate this with business owners. So this is a really good time to take a break from the podcast, and let's talk about how you can get your Value Builder score. So go to my website, www.allofmyassets.com slash value-builder-score. So allofmyassets.com slash value-builder-score, and take the Value Builder score. You can get your score, and you can learn what parts of your business uh, can be optimized so that you can sell your business for a higher multiple when you are ready. And now let's get back to the podcast. So to kind of put that into a little bit of English, let's say Laura owns Laura's business and um and I'm I'm considering buying Laura's business and and in our in our conversations Laura verbalizes, you know, hey, I was out of the country for a month and a half and shut my email off and the business still was profitable. And, um, uh, you know, I'm in the office three days a week for two hours and we have systems and processes in place. I'm thinking, wow, I'll pay a, a premium for that business. Now, if there's a, if the, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an opposite universe, there's Laura's business and Laura, you know, hadn't taken a day off in years. Um, all the customer complaints are coming through her. She, she can't, um, uh, she, she's doing way too much. She's stressed out. Why would I pay a premium for that business? I would want that as a discount. And then I would hope that I could fix it when I get in, but I'm certainly not giving Laura a premium price for that business because it's, no. it's, um, it's, it's not desirable. And then, you know, we have these seven other factors that we haven't talked about, but, but, um, we definitely have to make our businesses attractive to seller to, to buyers. And, and, but, but by doing that, we give ourselves easier lives. Uh, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. You know, let me give you a, a, another example, because, you know, sometimes I think when people hear about these premium companies, they think, oh, it's got to be some, you know, weird niche tech company that's trading at a ridiculous amount. Um, no, one of my favorite stories, and again, it's for those of you that are even just thinking about how your business runs day to day, um, comes from two value builder uh, business owners that worked with their certified value builder. Their names were John and BJ, and they owned a company called air-free duck cleaning. So, I mean, duck cleaning doesn't sound that romantic and, nope. you know, yeah. you know, this big business and what they realized they actually bought this business and came in was that the business owner was doing everything. So the business owner stays on for a few months is making all these sales. They don't have any automation. Um, you know, the only way they can sell is to have this expert come in and tell their clients why to buy. And so what they ended up doing is they worked with their certified value builder to rebrand. They worked on a driver called monopoly control, which really takes a look at how you can differentiate yourself in the market, adding that layer of uniqueness. So you're not just another air duct cleaning service. Mm -hmm. And the result of just that one change is that they were able to increase the revenue by 50% just in their first year of making wow. that change. So when you think about long-term, start spiraling now. If you're 30, start spiraling all these changes and how they're going to build up to get you that asset when you want to exit 15 to 20 years around the world. Think about those of you that are ready to exit, the impact of what a buyer is going to see. So, but that's a double factor, right? Because in one way, shape or form, a bit revenue is going to have, <clears throat> have an impact on seller's discretionary earnings or EBITDA. So, and then if a business is well run, you're going to get a higher multiple. So if you're getting a higher multiple of a bigger number, that's compounded. So it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Cool. Well, let's talk because we could talk about this 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 for hours and hours. And I'm actually looking forward in a few weeks or or a few months to uh, the uh, the first Value Builder Summit in a few years. I think COVID put a stop <laughs> to uh, to the summit, but I'm looking forward to to meeting uh, you and, and a bunch of other Value Builder advisors in Nashville in a few months. But what are I have a toolbox full of tools to help business owners, but, but maybe pick a, you know, two or three of them that, uh, and I'll have the links to all of them in, in the show notes, but uh, two or three of, of the tools that, that value builder advisors use to help businesses um, uh, in, in the process. Yeah. So obviously you've heard me say this a few times. I've kind of talked about your, your value. So we do have the value builder score, which is our flagship kind of questionnaire. It's going to help you actually benchmark yourself against your industry peers. So you're actually going to see how you score against other business owners in your same industry. Um, and that's, I think, a really powerful thing in itself. Um, now, my do I favorite... have to block off three hours or half day to complete that value builder questionnaire? No, like let's let's be realistic, okay? Business owners are busy. I've just told you everybody's working 40 hours a week. It's a 13-minute questionnaire. That's it. It's 13 minutes. Let's assume you you read slowly and make it a 50-minute questionnaire. Um, we have two other questionnaires. And again, they're under 10 minutes. Okay. So you can have a holistic kind of view of your business within 30 minutes of just sitting down and walking through these questionnaires, which is something really powerful. Um, I love pre-score. It talks with the business owner. I think it's so important for them to measure that. In fact, I always share the story that one of the most powerful stories that I heard is of somebody, his name is Sean Oshman. Um, we have a we have a podcast that our founder John Warlow does, and he was a guest on it. And his story is not remarkable in terms of his financials. And um, he sold for two to three times SDE. What makes a story so powerful is that he actually measured what he needed in his future. And his goal was to sell his business and sail around the world with his fiance, who's now his wife, and that was all he wanted to do. And so all he needed was two to three times SDE in order to fund that. It is one of our most downloaded episodes. So again, thinking what you want to do with your business and what you need brings in our third questionnaire that you can get access to through any certified value builder advisor. David obviously is really experienced in this aspect, which is actually taking a look, what do I need to get out of my business? Do I want to live in a cabin in the woods? Do I want to sail around the world in that gold yacht? Um, and again, that's just 10 minutes and it's going to help you really understand how you're going to fund that next phase of your life after your business. Yep. And, and, th and that one gives some concrete numbers of, you know, I need X amount of dollars in, in an account to, to, to produce the amount of income that I want, you know, per, per year. So that one's right, uh, right up my alley, but, and, and I'm, I'm really, really, really big on getting the facts. So let's figure out what your business is worth. And then let's figure out what you need. And then, Hey, the two might be equal and this might be a good time to exit. If it's not, we can figure out how to both grow your outside investments Um and outside investments could include real estate, commercial real estate, anything else, your IRAs, your mutual funds. Um, but also, let's figure out how to build and maximize the value of your business. One of the things that a lot of business owners don't do because they're running their business is they don't get their finances in, in order. So then they get into their late 40s, 50s, and 60s. And even though they have a good income, they never started those those retirement accounts early enough um, so they don't have the power of that decades of compounding interest. So now, you know, you have a, a an owner making $300,000 a year that has a $50,000 IRA. Well, guess what? That's not going to produce $300,000 a year in perpetuity. 
um, as income when they retire. So now their only real option is to sell the business when they're ready for an optimized amount. So uh, that's really, really, really important to because it is your biggest asset or, or one of your biggest assets, and it's it's a really neglected asset that I, that I don't want business owners um, to neglect. So this is really awesome. I'm excited that uh, that I could have you on and 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 get your uh, get your enthusiasm and your expertise and and just uh, talk about the backing of the value builder uh, company that that I have and and there's a you know we do a lot of training, a lot of background work, and it's and it's something that can really help the right business owner to uh, to almost be life changing. Um, so. Um, we are the weekly wealth podcast though and i i um i always put my guest on the spot so this is a question that we didn't talk about uh but we talk about the mindsets the tactics and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth so i would like to know what laura ferguson's definition of wealth is so what is what does wealth mean in you for you in your life <laughs> You know, um, I, I will, I'll tell you my honest answer. I have twin boys. So if anybody has twins, you know, how Ooh, expensive I have, twi- how old are your twins? Oh, I, how did I not know this? My twins are seven years old. Oh, well, you're like, you'll survive. Mine are 15 and a half. <laughs> so um, you're feeling the pain then. <laughs> oh, well, I, can I borrow some money? Cause to, to feed them, I mean, they're in this whole bulking season, lifting weights, and it's all about protein and you can't buy anything that's made of protein that's cheap. So I may need a loan, but yeah, no, twins are awesome. Uh, we have twin boys. Um, now did your, did your twins were there, was there's almost an embarrassment when, when people would ask them if they're twins as, as young kids, because our kid they would always say, no, we're not twins. They just, uh, it was just weird how they didn't want to be referred to as the twins. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ours are identical. And I always, okay. and I mean, they're identical. Yeah. Boys or girls? Boys, twin okay. boys. And I always thought it was a strange thing because when they look at them, people would say, oh, what a sweet, you know, boy and girl that you have. And they had the same haircut and look the exact really? same. And I kept wondering, that's awkward. Well, which yeah. one of you yeah. looks like a girl because you're identical. Wow. Um, so that was probably our biggest things. But, you know, for me, my definition of wealth is being able to give them anything that they want in their future. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, a lot of us are thinking about our own retirement. I think I got that piece figured out, but that's my definition of wealth. If they you know, want to, to go all the way through their doctorate and, and think through how they're going to do that. You know, we want to leave the next generation better than what we had for ourselves. So that would yep. be mine. No question. I like Maybe it. being able to read all I want and not have read. to work anymore. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But, um, you know, so, so I always say it's not really about the money, but it's about what the money can do. Right. So if your kids, let's say they get into Harvard, somebody's gonna have to pay for that. So the money itself is just a tool to to help pay for that. Um, or let's say, you know, they just want to play a sport. Well, sports aren't cheap and, and you have to have, have, have the financial resources to do that. So, so in most cases, it's not just, Hey, I want to have a lot of money so I could have more than you and be cooler than you. It's that I want the freedom and, and, and the ability to do the things that, that make life fun and, and give us, um, give us experiences. So, so this is really awesome. Um, I'm going to have in the show notes um, some links to all of our different tools. So the Value Builder Score, I really encourage any business owner to take that 13-minute Value Builder Score. Uh, it's going to give you kind of a range of what your business might be worth, and it's going to give us, we can have a, a quick conversation on some of the areas that that there where there might be some opportunity to improve. Um, the, the personal readiness to exit, uh, questionnaire is also a great one. And, um, uh, the freedom score, which talks a little bit about how much money you would need to get you to the point where you have that freedom. 
And we'll also throw in a couple ebooks that are, those are normal, what, 20, 30, 40 page ebooks. You know, they're not, not real long reads, but they're really informative and can help, can help to um, help business owners just have just that one or two more resources. So we have a whole toolbox to help, uh, to help clients. So. Absolutely. You know, the first thing I'll leave you with that is get your value builder score. If I could give you one piece of advice more than half the people asked say they have a minimum number in their head, what they want to get out of their business. Mm -hmm. And I want you to ask yourself, if you're one of those people that are listening, do you know what the value of your business is? Because 61%, even though they have a minimum number, those that say they do haven't actually had a value estimate. So the first thing you can do to arm yourself for your future, whether it's an exit one year down the road or 15 years down the road to see where you are today. So, you know, I encourage you to go to the links and, and, uh, and, take a look at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. A few minutes of, of investment and we can get some really, really valuable information. And if there are some more steps to take, we take them. If not, um, you have, you're armed with information and information is power. So awesome. Well, Laura, I appreciate your time. We have just, uh, this has gone so quickly and we could talk for hours because I'm very passionate and it's obvious that you are about helping business owners and all of the the struggles and, and just the things business owners need to know and how to position your business uh, for an exit is, is a tremendous, tremendously important aspect of all of our careers. So check out the show notes. We'll have uh, links to uh, all of the questionnaires and the eBooks. And uh, hey, Laura, I look forward to uh, seeing you in May in a few uh, in a few months. And thank you for all that you and your company does for the business owners of the world. Oh, you know, straight back at you guys. You guys are the ones that um, really help get the information in the hands of business owners. And uh, I hear a lot of good things already from from some of the people that report back. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Perfect. Awesome. Well, everybody, until next episode, we wish everybody a blessed week. Have a great one. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.